0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Tamahome.
1: I'm Jenny. And I'm Julie from the A Good Story is Hard to Find podcast.
0: And we're going to talk about The Last Policeman by Ben H. Winchers. It came out in 2012, and uh, we just all read it for this podcast. Julie, this was your idea, right?
1: It was. I got the second book, because this is a trilogy, from Amazon Vine last year, and said, oh gosh, I better read the first one. And I was surprised how much I loved it, because the only thing I know of that this person wrote before was
0: It was one of those zombie books, or he wrote Android Karenina. That's it. And uh, I think there was a couple other those Sensibility and Sea Monsters. That's
1: the one I was thinking mm -hmm. of, and I didn't expect something that I thought was really fantastic. And this I thought was great. And then the third one comes out in July, so I had to reread them.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very well researched. Uh, I was reading about Ben H. Winters, and you know he worked on those uh, worst case scenario books.
2: Oh. Uh,
0: it came out, I guess, in the 90s or late 80s. Um, and then he, when Quirk started doing the, uh, those Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, uh, series, mm-hmm. uh, they they hired him to do a couple, and, uh, and I think this was released from the same company, wasn't it? Let's see. Quirk? He's, yeah, Quirk is, Quirk yeah. Is a, so that's, um, I th- I think that's kind of cool that, this uh, this publisher has you know sort of nurtures its own in-house writers Mm -hmm. and then even with a book like this which i assume is quite successful oh yeah yeah he's sticking with it i know i
1: i thought that was great too and that they you know it's like it's a partnership
2: Mm -hmm. you know
1: i really like that because these days with publishing and the the rage that seems to go on behind the scenes that you read about between publishers and distributors and authors. It's nice mm-hmm. to see this seemingly benign thing come up. Mm-hmm. I loved this book because it was the combination of two of my loves, which is
0: apocalyptic stories
1: mm-hmm. and, um, you know, mysteries.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a real old-fashioned sort of whodunit mystery, isn't it?
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, and I had recently read from the apocalypse side of Ben H. Winter's story in the end is nigh anthology.
2: Oh yeah. Um,
3: Bring her to me in capital
2: letters.
3: (laughs) It is a great story. And so I was actually really excited to find that he had written other, you know, pre-apocalyptic type things.
0: Mm hmm. I think this uh you know I'm not a big fan of series but I do uh, with with regard to mysteries I do tend to read more than one in in a series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it, it's this one's got an end date as a trilogy right mm-hmm. that's a good Oh yes. Um uh one of the things I was interested in reading it, it, it is noted on the Wikipedia entry is that uh, about halfway through the first book, you realize that it's not actually technically the end of the world. It's more like uh, a large percentage of the population is going to be killed off, but we don't know which one exactly. At the beginning of the novel, um, there is going to be some survival. They think.
1: Yes, and it which sounds very it. bleak.
0: That was it. Changed it though, like it gives you a different aspect uh, of thinking about like thinking that you're gonna be killed off hundred percent versus maybe you'll survive is quite different.
3: Mm-hmm. No I think it was more of a question of do you die on impact or do you die because of the resulting earthquakes, volcanoes, tidal waves like I don't think people are going to be alive at the winter end winter for Pacific yeah. Or, uh, yeah it was exactly. a matter of where it's landing but that didn't that didn't mean you weren't gonna die. But
0: what I I is- think there's a, he he talks about will there be policemen after, right? And he says not at first, but maybe later.
3: Right, like
1: in a billion years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. When the planet I didn't get has that to do- impression. <laughs> but I don't. I did agree <laughs> that um, you felt like the survivors weren't going to live. You know, like mankind wasn't going to go on. It's just how long did these stragglers live, and it it could be pretty wretched and. That's part of what feeds into the mystery is that he's not only having to look at the usual things that anybody'd look at. He's having to deal with people's disinterest in pursuing anything like this because the end of the world's coming. And how would people's motivations change based mm-hmm. on that? And you have no way of knowing from person to person because some people are going bucket list. Some people are becoming complete, um, what, antisocial. And then other people are saying, this is my chance to do what I always wanted to do, be a doctor or, as he's doing, be a detective. So it's bringing out the really good and the bad and everything in between. And he's having to look at it and go, where does this fall into that yeah. scenario? Well,
0: one one of the questions I've been thinking about a lot, which is funny, because every once in a while, you uh, I think, Julie, you pointed out, every once in a while, Tam makes a really good question. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Tam questions are sort of, they're just gimme questions, I think, you know, like, uh, was it cat butt coffee, et cetera. <laughs> 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 a great Tam question. Um, so, so Those tam- are witty questions. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> it, it's, um, but you had one yesterday in the chat that I, I've been thinking about since then, and oh. I've been thinking about it hard, which was, um, would you still do the podcast if the world if you knew the world was going to end? And I answered right away, I said, "Yes, but not this book
2: <laughs> funny.
0: And I started to think why that i why I would do a podcast but not on this book and I think the answer is a lot of the books that I would wanna do, I would have to move up the list, you know
2: mm.
0: because if i if I knew the world was ending next year, that means how many shows you know are gonna, <laughs> only uh uh, 52 more 52 more episodes, I'm going to have to put in a lot more of the ones that I, I wouldn't have to gamble on. <laughs> what, is your, all. what
4: is your bucket list of podcasts?
0: I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I know that I'd like to have more Jack London and more Philip K. Dick and maybe some more Lovecraft and that sort of thing. You know, I, I'd like to do more classics.
1: Don't you think you'd go more to the more cheerful books? Everything you named is kind of a depressing author. I think I'd suddenly go, oh, I'm reading cozies now. I need happiness.
3: There are studies that
1: say if you
3: can get your mind on someone else's destruction, uh, (laughs) you can like ignore your own, so maybe.
0: Yeah, (laughs) like
3: end of the world scenarios that aren't the asteroid.
0: (laughs) Uh, More zombies than... Yeah. I find that uh, depressing things make me feel good. Yeah. Um, uh, which is kind of strange. But yeah, I, I would say th- that I wouldn't have gambled on this book if I knew the world was going to end in a year. Yeah. yeah, Because although, you know, Julie's recommendation turned out to be good, oh, what if what if it had turned out not to be good? Then I would have wasted it. Still right? don't it's trust sort of me. Been- Still do not trust me. We not
1: not go to the end of the world. <laughs> <do> else, <though.
4: laughs> but we have it, to be honest with each other.
0: That's right. That's not right. With my- remaining 52 episodes, you know, if there was only a year, I wouldn't want to necessarily risk it on something that was not sure bet.
1: Well, there's a guy in the second book, this is just a passing scene where he's sitting in a library and he's got this giant stack of books next to him. And he's got a jar for urine. And you know, some breakfast bars and stuff and a thing of water and he doesn't even look up. He's just reading books and turning pages as fast as he can. Reading mm. and reading and reading, and you could see he's, he's doing this before he dies.
0: Hmm.
1: That would be you, Jesse.
0: Except with no, the podcast in between. No, I, I'm not a, I'm not a Jenny fast reader. I'm a, I'm a savorer. I, ah. it wouldn't be about, it wouldn't be about trying to burn through as many as possible, because that's not how I normally read anyways. I, mm. I linger in it. uh, But
1: it's the end of the world. I, the end of <laughs> right? the world yeah that's but it, 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 it <laughs> jenny and i would be going faster than ever <laughs> no that's
3: not what i'd be doing at all i'd be traveling huh. forget reading i'd be I'd like be out meeting all the friends i've never met and seeing all the places i've never seen and uh, you go posting pictures to ins- yeah i'd be a bucket list girl
0: <laughs> what about you
3: tam
4: oh um i haven't thought about it would you do the podcast if
0: if if uh you knew the world was going to end in a year? Um, hard to say. Well, you better think about it, man. Well, what, what if would the world's going do? to end in a year?
1: If, if this was this book, you mean you read this book and you didn't stop and think what would I do if there were 6 months left? Come on, Tam. Spill it.
4: Uh, probably something involving women, I don't know. <laughs> uh,
1: you get you you get <laughs> dang oh, brave God. and go out there and live it.
4: Exactly. Live and large.
1: Yeah. Well, that's. Whereas me, see, I thought, okay, one daughter lives about five minutes away. The other daughter lives in California. First thing we do, get her here. Then everything else is whatever happens, as long as the family's together.
0: Um, yeah. you know. Um, I think it makes a difference whether whether it's it's you know it's the entire Earth's knocked out or if it's just um. A good percentage of the population. I think it makes a, a big a difference, and one of the reasons I think that is because uh, you know, as this is an existential novel, um, it's, it's a lot of people don't real. I think a, a lot of people are wandering around the world not realizing that they're going to die. They mm-hmm. they technically know it mm-hmm. because they you know they heard about death. Um, but they don't feel it, and they don't act as if they do. Right. And um, I think what's cool about this this book is because it takes that seriously. The scenario, the the poli- I mean, I think a lot of people who have read the book appreciate this: is that the mystery is sort of secondary to the quote unquote world building that's going on, the responses of people to it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at the depth of the characterization of. Sort of the incidental characters; they're pretty deep.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But you know, I I don't know. I don't see a lot of hope in the book. I feel like if there was just a chance that you would die, but it wasn't a sure thing, you would have more characters running around and hoarding things and planting potatoes and um, learning how to fish. You know, all those things that can keep you going if the infrastructure yeah. breaks yeah. down. I think
0: I think you know it's it's. They definitely are, the majority of the people have, have now had it forced, thrust upon them that they're gonna die. But, you know, if, if, the reason this book has power to us is because we realize. Right. We're gonna die. And so it's sort of an intensification of the, of that by compressing it down from, you know, 30 or 40 years, however long we're gonna live until the, uh, you know, just next year.
1: Plus, uh, they don't discover until October in this timeline that the asteroid's actually going to hit. And maybe late Mm -hmm. October, I can't remember. But Mm -hmm. this book starts in March. So they've had four and a half to five months to really let it sink in. Mm -hmm. So what you're kind of looking at here is the core of the people who aren't going to run off and do stuff. The other people yeah. already have and have been committing suicide, which once I kind of got halfway into the book and realized what you were saying, Jesse, about, um, well, which is what they tell us, that there's a scenario being postulated that some people are going to live and it's going to be brutish and horrible and short. Mm-hmm. Then the suicide start to make more sense because I was like, you know, if it's all coming to an end, do Tamahomey's thing or something, you know, just <laughs> live large, do what you're going to do until do what satisfies you at that point until the end, because it's coming. Um, and so that's kind of why this sort of a murder is so interesting. Not only does it show us the policeman's character, where he's like, something's not right. It's that expensive mm-hmm. belt, eventually he figures out. Mm-hmm. But he. it's also looking at all that. Why are people committing suicide? Why is anyone doing what they do? And it, what you're saying, Jenny, about the hoarding, that turns out to be the key To the murder, which he's like, at the end, he's like, still, why did he do it? Oh, now I see the stats. I figured it out. Mm -hmm. His first Mm -hmm. kid.
0: Yeah, so uh, that, I mean, uh, I was wondering, I was always wondering, you know, while I'm looking at the, at the murder mystery, the motive. What's it going to come down to? You know, is it going to come down to uh, money? Because that doesn't make a lot of sense, trying to get all the of money at <laughs> the end of the world, right? Um, is it love? Okay, that's possible. It doesn't seem like this guy would be engaged in that sort of thing. He doesn't seem to be connected to anybody in that way. Um, and what, what are the other options, right? Uh, jealousy, I mean. Right. So it had, I Power. was thinking it's going to be, I, I was thinking it's part of a, you know, he found out something and when he's looking you know, when the detective's looking through those boxes and he's seeing all the clippings and, and the numbers, like, oh, it's fake. The numbers are, you know, arti- uh, one of the, one of the Guess things, you I one, of, one of the things you can tell by looking at, uh, uh, statistically enough numbers is whether the numbers are, um, artificially random or if they're, um, actually random, right? Mm-hmm. Is that when people, are uh, writing down fake numbers, like if you're keeping books and you're writing down fake income or writing down uh, fake uh, debits and credits, then you can actually say the statistically possibility of this number coming up again and again and again is improbable, right? Um, and I thought that that's what he had, he had linked on to. This book is full of red herrings.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, in
0: fact, uh, almost everything is a red herring. Which is very clever because as a, you know, seasoned reader of mur- murder mysteries, I get pretty good at it, uh, figuring out who the murderer is. You know, if you read enough Agatha mm-hmm, Christie, mm-hmm. um, you know, even other traditional Sherlock Holmes sort of style mysteries, you know that every character is a suspect. They don't usually, if it's a good writer, he doesn't usually, uh, throw in somebody you haven't met as the, as the murderer. And uh, because there were so many existential questions going on, I was not able to solve the <laughs> mystery.
3: <laughs> well, and uh, talking about red herrings, that kind of brings me to my biggest question about the book. Mm-hmm. And that is, is his sister crazy or does she know <laughs> something?
1: Uh,
0: she could be both.
1: You don't know. And in fact, in the second book, that question is carried on. Oh, good, mm-hmm. because that's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. Speaking of hope, they they say hope at the very end of the book. Yeah. Uh, he's with his sister, and she seems to know something that will improve their conditions. But but then she they don't reveal it.
3: But it's weird I, for her to be the person that would know something because she's completely incompetent in taking care of herself. Or <laughs> at least that's what the, you think about her the whole way through, you know. And clearly she had other motivation, but... I guess no, she networks she well talk. with
4: other people. Yeah, well, she networks well.
0: Yeah, but the internet's yeah. down, so I don't know how she's doing. I mean, this, I mean right? with people. Yeah. Um. One of one of the other things that I thought was kind of red herring-ish, but maybe cleverly red herring-ish was that you know the spotty Wi-Fi or the spotty mm-hmm. uh, uh, cell phone That that seems like sort of the thing they do in a modern horror movie to get around the fact that everybody could solve their problems just by picking up the phone. but I mean, it and he seems-
4: throws the phone so many times and it never breaks. Yeah.
0: You'd you, you think it's like... Um, and then later on, we find out that cell phones are quite valuable for that kid to steal. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, if we concentrate too much on the mystery, we're actually doing a disservice to the book. Um, because... If you if you look at like the literary allusions that go along the the path, you look at the the character's uh, romantic plot arc in Mm -hmm. there. um, I think, and even his backstory and stuff like that. There's a lot of meat to be mined there, or or to be mined, I guess.
1: (laughs) That's kind of what I loved was the parallel of his backstory and him applying what he could without really, you know meaning to necessarily but the things his father would say what happened to his family how he grew up the fact that detective culverson turns out to be his father figure essentially the influences in his life and so that's just as interesting even though you get it in bits as the rest of the story to me
0: yeah uh, one of the one of the things that we find out in the backstory is that uh, you know his mom was killed in a i think a car accident or something or murder or something, and then, oh, robbery. Random etc. shooting, yeah. Yeah, and, and then the, the father, um went on for a while and then committed suicide by hanging himself.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? And then you think, oh, well, maybe the reason he's obsessed with this, this hanging is he doesn't want it to be, uh, hanging, a suicide, because that, that's too painful. But he says, I, you know, this is my sixth one. So it's not like, yeah. He, he's uh he's treated all of them like homicides right
3: right it was his instinct his gut instinct was telling him this just does not there's something wrong something's not right and it took him a while to figure out what that was
2: mm-hmm. but i
3: do think the parental issues are the ones that kind of lead him to being really protective towards his sister yes mm-hmm. so i was surprised when the ending went the way it did because i just kind of assumed she was thrown in there to show how stable and serious and you know, mm-hmm. tragic. His mm-hmm. life was...
0: I think it's a pretty well put together book. Mm-hmm. It, you don't expect that necessarily when you've got, you know, just... Modern books, they tend to be, you yeah, know, they tend to be, the characters, like the background characters tend to be there in service of something. Well, yeah. especially- they are all in service here, yeah. but they're not just in service, right? Um, like, I was thinking back to the, the, remember there's the coffee shop guy, he's got a... Yeah. What Paradise Coffee or something like what yeah. It's called. Um, he's got his own philosophy going, right? Yeah. He's not just there to um to serve a as a a, a function in the plot. He's there and he's doing his own thing. And when uh you know he's going to pay him for the advice, you know, something that he could you know do something mm-hmm. with that he's not, no no I, I like your story it's you no know, adding to mine and yeah i think that's uh, i mean this is i i'm deep into existential stuff and one of the books that's mentioned in here um is one we've already done as a podcast right mm-hmm. um and that's uh the um the one with the submarine in australia what's that one called can't remember the name on of it beach.
3: on the beach um, right or the- the, yeah.
0: yeah, on the beach. Mm-hmm. Which is, got a very similar feel to this. Uh, no murder mystery there exactly. Um, there's a mystery, but it's got a different feel, but it's got the same, uh, it's got a different plot, but it's got a similar feel And that everybody's sort of at their, at their realization they're gonna die. And not just, not just, uh, themselves, but also the species. Because you'd sort of get around the idea that, Oh, I'm going to die, but the, the yeah, we're all gonna... going. Right, right. You but typically, um, you know, we, we take solace in the fact that you know the family's going to continue or the species yeah. is going to continue, right? I might not go to Mars, but somebody's going to go there. It's funny because
1: it I was uh, at the dentist last week, and he's, I, I was going to have some horrible surgery, but um. I was gonna, I was like, can I listen to my audiobook? Turns out it was this, and I was like, I can't listen to this while this is going on. I need something more cheerful. But, um, he said, oh, what is it? So I'm telling him, and he goes, ah, so, so some people are gonna die when it hits. I went, no, everything's gonna end. And he just stops and looks at me, and I said, well, you know, cause at some point it's all gonna end. In this book, this is when it happens. And he just looks at me like I had two heads, and then said, so it's thought provoking. And I went, yes, yes, it's thought provoking. <laughs> Move on. Just keep going. Don't ask me any more questions. Uh, Think about it. He hadn't thought about that. And I said, well, it's very much like the movie. Um, oh Gosh, it was Steve Carell and Keira Knightley seeking a friend for the end of the world, hmm. which was not a perfect movie. But it was very similar to this, which is a much more perfect book than that was a movie um, in that. There's no getting out of it. This meteor's coming. Everybody's going to die, or this asteroid's coming. Everybody's going to die, and they everybody goes off and has to do these various things. And I, that movie haunted me for about a week because it really made me, since it was visual, I had to come to terms with this idea of mortality. Also, yeah, and then asks like, a lot of the same question. Yeah, have you seen it? Mm-hmm. Twice. Okay. <laughs> I, oh, I'd like to see it twice. I loved it. Mm-hmm. it. It wasn't perfect, but I still loved it.
0: Early on, early on in the book, something weird happened to me, and I think it's because I was listening to the audiobook Which as opposed great. to the paper book. Yeah, audiobook narrator is great. Peter Burkrat, I think, is his mm-hmm. name.
2: Fantastic. Um,
0: yeah, really good narrator, and he's got he's got a he does a really good uh,
1: I'm out control sort of voice. <laughs> Or the hmm. thing where he go, and I'm thinking, I'm walking back and forth, because now it's coming into place, and I was like, oh man, you're bringing this character so alive, mm-hmm. that real intensity of, the ideas are coming into place. So anyway, continue. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: so uh, we find out the detective's name is Pallas, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, I'm i big on names, you know, character names being, meaning, his sister calls him Hen, mm-hmm. right for Henny, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and And so hen didn't do much for me other than, you know, sort of a brooding hen, (laughs) uh, which is kind of funny because he's not super broody, but he is brooding on this particular issue. Um, But palace, I was not thinking palace like a castle, you know, like a a mansion. I was thinking palace like palace Athena. Oh, totally different, because right? Because you weren't looking at the word. That's right. It sounds exactly the same. Wisdom. Hmm. But actually more like Upon the Bust of Palace. Keep going. You know, the Raven uh, by Edgar Allan Poe. Oh. I don't think that the author, you know, necessarily uh put this in there, but it totally is about, it's about uh the dread of not knowing that something can't come can't come back it's over Right mm-hmm. when somebody kills himself or when somebody's dead they're gone and what's above the bust of palace just above his chamber door is is the raven saying nevermore, nevermore. and so many of the characters in the book uh, there's one of the the new uh, officers she she said she takes great care and love and respect in in that chase she gives of the Teenager with the with the cell phone, Mm -hmm. right? She says, "Freeze, motherfucker!" And she's so happy that she finally got to do that before the end.
1: I wanted to say this,
0: yeah. She just and and he's listening there, and he's listening and saying, "Oh yeah, you know." He's really with her in that moment. Yeah, he does. Even though she has the cell phone in her pocket, he knows this at the beginning of the conversation. He doesn't say, "Hey, give me that phone. I need to get on my." investigation he's with her in that in her telling her own story and having that experience because every if you're a cop that's what you want to do right you want to make the bust Mm -hmm. and that bust that is ever eluding uh our hero until right the end well almost right the end right right is above the bust of palace is that is that Raven, never a.k.a. More. Asteroid, right, saying nevermore. And so yeah. everybody get that in. It's very existential. Nice. And, and I, I, like I say, you know, you wouldn't get that by reading the, uh, the paper book. But palace and no. Palace are no. the same. Let me ask you a question. You, know.
1: you keep saying this is existential. I'm yes. extremely lowbrow and, and uneducated in
0: these things. So existence it's about existence okay. you, that you will exist so an existential question is whether you're going to you know what it, your purpose is on the earth what your purpose would, is in the universe okay
1: i always think of existential as being not connected not really telling a story um you know more like the the dolly picture with the watch melting off the edge of the <laughs> no that's something else. <laughs> That's what
0: that's something, else. that's something else i don't know what that is yeah no. i know but i think it's he- is, it's is, it's like you know, what are we here for? Oh, okay. And usually the answer is nothing, right? In the traditional existential belief is nothing. Um, now, if you're a Christian, you you don't believe that, as my understanding is, you think we're here for a purpose. Right. But a lot of people who are not Christians have this problem: is if we're not here, what are we here for? The answer is nothing. So we have to find reasons, and so mm-hmm. that's why I think a lot of the characters are committing suicide is because they don't have them. Right. right? Um, And what we've got in our main character is a guy who has a reason, that is, to solve the murder. Right?
1: And I love that everybody keeps going, why are you doing this? Exactly. Why do you care? And he looks at them and he's like, that question made no sense. I went back to my notebooks. Right. He doesn't even know about it. He hasn't really examined himself.
0: That's right. He's unconsciously doing the thing that must be done. Right. And you know he all, he wanted to be a detective from a young age became became an officer and then he got his chance so he's going to fulfill it just like it's it's a little case of doubling like that mm-hmm. other off
1: well and i also found this book actually although it's about a um, depressing subject overall i found it quite hopeful in that there are, are a lot of characters portrayed as I finally get to do what I wanted. And it's not just run off and have a good time. It's not just, you know, uh, take everybody's stuff and own it and take care of myself. It's I wanted to be a doctor. This is I'm now trained as a tech. I, this is the closest I can get. I wanted to be a detective. Now I can do it. They wanted to do something bigger than themselves and they get to do it and they're pursuing it. And I, mm-hmm. I found that that was a noble element of the book. I liked that set against the other people because it showed that you just can't put everybody in one pattern, which is what I think a lot of people like to do under these circumstances.
0: Do you remember in the scene where the they're, they're going to go after the the guy they think is the suspect? He goes to the police station and says, I know who it is. I know who the criminal is. All the people, all the detectives who are just sort of, oh, gathered, yeah, they all like, all right, let's go. Yeah. Right and they get out there and it goes wrong right <laughs> the shooting um, and afterwards they all the other detectives are destroyed right yeah cuz even you know even though they're they're too gung-hoedness you know to, to get it done um is kind of the problem they also uh you know one of them commits suicide and the other one quits
1: well right? wait to a minute do, Culverson and McGully?
0: It uh, sounds right.
1: No, I don't think they do.
0: Somebody, somebody, uh, Andreas quits. Uh, oh, I but, know. yeah, that's. McGully quits, I think.
1: Did Andreas go? I didn't remember that. I thought it was just uh, McGully and Culverson. It, because it the, exactly. Andreas jumped in front, front of the jerk.
0: bus. Yeah, that's right.
1: Okay.
4: Okay. McGully was the wise y- ass. Remember
1: the teenager's yeah, show was he. Right? And then there's the dog. I worried yeah. about
0: that dog.
1: <laughs> I was so glad he went back and got him.
0: A Bichon Frise. Mm
1: hmm.
0: Which is a little tiny poodle.
1: And again, this is just one more time where you see his, the way he just keeps thinking and thinking and noticing details. And I found it really funny that by the end of the book, when he goes out to see the last case that um, the murder victim. Sorry, guy, I can't remember your name, had investigated, finds out that one of the other things he was using to to show people go, look, what about this bruise around his eye? Because mm-hmm. the story is he fell down some stairs and everybody's was like, Psh, yeah, right. Well, he actually did. It, mm-hmm. it was still something that got a, a red herring up to the very end, but it served a purpose of reinforcing his determination to look into it.
0: Mm-hmm. In fact, we get a lot of character of him as well, the the dead man, mm-hmm. right? Getting a lot inside of his head because the the detective trying to get inside his head. I think mm-hmm.
2: it's
0: it's very well put together book. Um, the other uh, literary illusion that I think was kind of cool um, was when he's doing the romance, you know? Yes. Uh, when he's doing the romance, uh, she's a- she asks him, "What's your favorite book?" And you guys remember his answer? Don't. Tam, Tam might. Mm, I can't think of it. It. He says it's uh, the Alan Moore Watchmen book.
4: Oh, that's right.
0: The Watchmen. Right. That's right. Which is it? it cool in a couple of ways. First of all, it's it's got a detective who's crazy, um, mm-hmm. as one of the heroes. Also, the the reader is the detective because we're trying to understand what's going on and how everything happened and how uh, all. Uh, went down because mm-hmm. at the very first panel to the very last panel, there's a sort of a repeated motif of, you know, we're working sort of forwards and backwards at the same time, which mm-hmm. is a very tricky thing to do. And then if you guys have read The Watchmen, you know uh, the way the structure of the book it, with the end, um, there was no way for them to have saved the world any time in the book.
1: Oh, even though they were
0: trying, they, it was impossible. Uh, it was, it, it was already over. Ah, was, ah. Right. And so, Perfect. It's the journey, right? Yeah, it's a really nice little, um, I mean, it's a great book. And mm-hmm. also, uh, yeah, echoing that in here, it a, makes a nice little illusory ac- echo as well. What, what about the, there was the artificial movies, you know, the <laughs> not movies I loved that idea. Just Glimmers? What yeah. was that?
1: Mm
0: hmm. Uh, I don't I, I, I'm I kind of want this to be the TV show that they say might be in development because I want to see what that looks like. I know. Right. That sounded great to me. The other one that they said that I thought was funny was they had a Marvel versus DC movie, which um, it, there's a lot of science fiction is sort of in the background of this book. But a Marvel versus DC movie that came out like in 2012, right? So they 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 can't spin these these characters off too long because they have to do all of them all at once, right? It took it took decades and decades for Marvel and DC to get together and actually work together on a project called Marvel versus DC. Mm-hmm. And since the world's gonna end, okay, we got to do it this year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Batman and Superman versus. <laughs> x-men and uh i don't know iron man or whatever it is
1: yeah that's what joss whedon would be doing at the end of the world like you with the podcast he'd be going oh my gosh okay the final movie i want to make that's right we're doing it distant pale glimmers is right. the name of it
0: the distant fiction. pale hope right and i think right. the description we get of it is that it it is an escapist fantasy that offers uh what people want, and and they're compre- they're putting them out really quickly too, right? In a
1: week or something like that, because they would go every week to watch it. Mm-hmm. Peter and uh, Toussaint, Peter mm-hmm. Zell and Cent.
0: And we get a lot of their backstory. I, I think this is pretty pretty good writer. Uh, did you guys any anybody read uh, those Android Karenina or? Hmm. No, I've read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, but that's not him. Yeah, that's a different writer.
3: But I'd be open to it.
0: (laughs) Mm.
1: That would be interesting.
4: I was going to say, maybe Joss Whedon would finally bring back Firefly. The world was going to end.
1: You know what I was thinking, Tim.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I know you'd like that.
1: Well, also, um, Nathan Fillion has said if he won the lottery, he would buy the rights to Firefly and he would do it on the Internet for everybody to watch Uh,
4: as a series. uh, He he should just do a Kickstarter.
1: Yeah. I'm surprised he hasn't because you feel like he'd get enough support.
0: He has to get all the other cast members left as well. Uh,
1: You kind of feel like they do that. A lot of them.
0: Likely. Yeah. What else do they have to do? <laughs> How did this become a Firefly show?
1: Um, because I brought up Joss Whedon, and what else is there to talk about? Except I will highly recommend his Much Ado About Nothing.
0: I heard you talking about that on uh, Good Story or Reading Envy. I can't remember where, where, where did you story, talk. Good Story, I think. Yeah. you may have also been Reading
1: Envy, I don't know.
0: Um. Okay. Well, let's get back to this book. Were, were there other oh. uh, allusions that we missed? Because uh, those were the two that I was thinking of. One that artificially in my head, the, uh, the, the Raven and, and never, uh, not, um, Watchmen. Uh, but there must have been more. I, I think, I, I, think there was a lot of them. And I just sort of breezed through it so quickly trying to, dis- uh, I was getting distracted by them, so I said, no, I'm gonna concentrate on the murder. Trying to solve the murder. I didn't I didn't <laughs> succeed in that. But.
4: Well the book literally says that he's like Batman, that his parents are murdered and now he's
0: out yeah, of uh soft tr- crime. That's that's true. Oh, There's can't. a lot of geeky references like that. Mm hmm. Yeah, he is he is acting like Batman too, right? He's a detective and he's trying to Or, or Rorschach from Watchman. Yeah, Rorschach's the crazy one yeah. from, from uh Watchmen. But he's not crazy. Yeah, he's pretty, he's like a homeless man, basically. I mean. Oh no, I meant this Detective Palace. Ah, is he not crazy though? See, if everyone, I mean, what is he trying to, he's, one of the things I thought was going to happen right at the end, remember when he sort of fired from his job? Uh huh. Oh yeah, he's totally I thought, anchorless at that point. I thought that, and this, I mean, this probably frustrated a lot of people was that they were going to just let the the criminal go. Oh, I know, right? But Because if there's no detective and they're not prosecuting these things anymore, they're not <laughs> doing any of that...
1: You haven't that been would- paying attention. What they do is they lock you up and they worry about that later.
2: That's I, been talked know, about
0: all through the book. I know that, but at some point, those guards are going to want to leave too, right?
2: Yeah. Just, and it's
0: either... Emancipation or its, um, execution, really.
1: Mm hmm. I would vote for execution, the way they were acting at that federal facility you went exactly. and looked at.
0: Speaking of which, uh, do you guys notice the, it's either a mistake or it maybe leads into the second or third book, uh, what guns they were carrying? No. <laughs> yeah, girls maybe not. <laughs> I didn't either. Tan, did you notice? Oh, uh, no. I'm not a gun person. Okay, well, they were carrying AK-47s, which is not an American gun and wouldn't be used by American soldiers.
1: This is what the the prison guards were carrying?
0: Yeah, well, the, uh, at the military base.
1: Right, okay. When,
0: when he goes there saying, what happened to that prisoner? Got it. Says, there is no prisoner. What are you talking about? Um, get out of here. And they point their AK-47s at huh. him. That's not, I mean, the thing is, is he right. didn't seem to think it was an issue either. Which um, either, you know, Ben Winters, you know, m- made one sort of yeah. technical error or it's, you know, they are not real, uh, really in the service of the government anymore. That and it seemed like they everyone. Were, I don't know. Uh, it is that something a
4: private of, person would buy as opposed to?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is the Chinese gun and the Russian gun. It's oh. not a you can buy them in the States, but the U.S. military does not use them.
1: Hmm. So, yeah, you wonder if he threw that in there because that's what came to mind and then nobody caught it and changed it.
2: That's or possible. In the
1: third book, it may come up. I don't know. That's right. There's that because I'm I kept thinking, oh, the third book, maybe it's all, you know, still, uh, you know, a lie. Maybe it's this and it's that. And I'm still going kind of with the conspiracy thing. And and then I'm reading the reviews where they're like, you know, some people are really upset. Well, this is super depressing at the very end. and I'm thinking, have you been reading the other books?
4: hello and other Is people it, are going
1: wow fantastic ending to the um trilogy does
4: the God. second book explain anything
1: in the first book there's a lot more about his sister in there and he kind of picks he basically picks up a case from his babysitter his former babysitter from when he was a kid he goes my husband's missing and he was a great guy Help me find him. And so So it's a private
0: detective. Yeah. So he
1: kind of just goes off and starts doing that. And so that way you get to see other places than, you know, just right there in Concord. And also what's going on with the police more. And, um, you know, he continues his thinking. And Nico's in this more. Uh, his sister's in it more.
4: So it explains what Nico is doing? Yes. Okay.
1: I will say no more, except that I was surprised because it was really a good second book. Hmm.
0: The uh, other thing that was really well done is the city of Concord itself. You know, uh, it's a real place,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but mm-hmm. almost never do we get sort of smallish towns in fiction. You know, they'd mm-hmm. they be big cities or fictional places that are that are, you know... Half, half a small town of fantasy and half a, half a big city of whatever the author needs, right? hmm. But I like that it was set in a real place that has, uh, sort of certain size population, certain size. He seems to have done his research with regard to laws and, and, uh, how, how, you know, that state does its, its, uh, mechanics of, of law enforcement.
3: I think it was also important because New Hampshire is kind of known for being, um, full of people who don't want to be told what to do,
1: mm-hmm. and
3: so it's it like, almost translates more easily to like going quickly into like a kind of anarchy.
1: <laughs> it's like uh, everybody in Texas says they're like our sister state. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know that they'll have exactly. the shotgun racks, but I thought Concord is it New Hampshire? I thought it was Massachusetts. It's New Hampshire. Okay.
3: This well this, that there there might be one in each, but this
1: is definitely that set in a lot more sense.
2: Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and what's their uh isn't their state motto freedom or die or something like that? I mean, mm-hmm. you know. So again, the Texas feeling is for the sister do, they, state.
4: do they take their guns to Chili's? <laughs> Probably like they're doing in Texas.
1: Oh Lord, don't even get started on those idiots. But it's not
3: necessarily conservative. It's just people that want to live their own lives. So it's a little bit different. Lots of different types of people, just people that, you know, don't necessarily need people telling them what to do. So that's
0: free and then die. That's it. (laughs) The the motto of the state needs to be modified because the uh, impending. Well, yes, now it's just live free and (laughs) die.
3: And there's Uh also there are also just not a lot of books written about New Hampshire or set in New Hampshire, you know, because I've been trying to get around and read a book set in every (laughs) state. And um, it was kind of nice. I always like it when people write something different, you know, not New York, not San Francisco.
0: (laughs) How many states have you uh, read through?
1: I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. Did this fulfill something or had you already read something about New Hampshire? I had not. So it definitely did. I know. Um checked off two columns. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I also liked that he kept that smallish town or, you know, tiny city vibe of by he'd walk through and he'd go, oh, here's where this used to be. Here's where the yogurt shop was. Here's where this used to be a bookstore. Now it's like this. So you get. That before and after sense that still kind of roots it in the place, Mm
3: -hmm. you
1: know, that you could relate to. You feel like I could go there now and go, oh, this is where this was going to happen, you know.
3: Yeah. And it needed to be a small town because he knew all the characters, you know, personally. And everyone was connected to everyone else. That was pretty
1: important. Mm hmm. (laughs) Or knew at least the areas and what that meant. Because sometimes yeah. that mattered. Like where she lived, where his girlfriend, tiny portion of the book, girlfriend lived, was, you know, brand new. Mm-hmm. So you had a real sense of that. But the other places, he was all about, you know, oh, I remember this. This is like that. You want to watch mm-hmm. out for that area. And i going like, anyway.
3: You know, well, I know him. Let me go talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, uh, one of the other things that I noticed... Pretty early in is the other cool thing is it's written first person present tense which is not typical. I mean some books are written that way, but um, it. And I think it first person books are always more uh, personal. You know they get mm-hmm. you in close with a with a narrator and and not just the audiobook narrator, but the uh, the the character who's telling the story. Um, you get up. Tight with them, so you see the world through their point of view. But also present tense um, does something too. With the with past tense, you've got that unreliability um, of who's telling the story uh, as it's he's recalling it now. You know, maybe from his preferred view of mm-hmm. what happened, um, and with the present tense, you know, we start off, we're looking into the eyes of the, of the victim and we don't know he's dead. I'm, you know, I'm staring into the insurance man's eyes and he's staring at his eyes are staring (laughs) into mine. Right. There's something about that that makes it more intimate. And, um, and I think it works really well. The, the, we don't, we don't get inside his head as much as we could but we don't seem to need to because it feels like we do.
1: Yeah, and I usually don't like books that are written um, present tense because it's not handled really well sometimes. Mm. And we're used to reading books that are written in past tense. Mm -hmm. But this is done so well that I didn't even, yes, I I noticed it, but not really, it didn't bother me. And it it kind of fits that noir style. It does. And
3: it would have been hard to write this past tense since there's not a lot of time in the future to right. look back. That's right. <laughs> it's
4: kind of like he, Unless it was
3: written by the aliens or something.
4: You could say he was treasuring the moment and describing every moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a nice way of looking at it. Um, the other thing I was thinking is the way it, it's told, it's almost, you know, it could do, you could do go the horrible way. I um, mean, it wouldn't be that horrible. The you, you know, the second person because you're looking into the eyes, because that's yeah. actually what's happening. It becomes transparent yeah. um, if it's well done, but it almost never is well done. Yeah. Uh, so it's probably wise that he didn't go that way. But um, speaking of the alien's point of view, um, Julie, there is an existential story that you know, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Arthur C. Clarke's The Star. Do you know that story?
1: Is that the one where they find... The star that exploded to be the Bethlehem right. star. Yeah. That's right.
0: Yeah. And on, on the planet that they go to, um, that was destroyed by, you know, uh, Anova. Yeah. Um, or, no, it's the, it's the, it's like their version of Pluto. They find, uh, a monument with all the stories and all the, um, art of that civilization.
1: Mm
0: hmm. Right under this, you know, half melted, uh, Pluto sized, uh, at the edge of the solar system.
1: I need to read uh,
0: that. Great story. Yeah, just so uh, I remember it. The the message, other than you know, uh, it being about Christmas, is also um, stupid. God, that message yeah. you mean? Yeah. <laughs> but the human being, the human beings, or the aliens that lived there, right, are being visited. Uh, sorry, that that humans, whatever they were, the aliens that lived on that that in that solar system they left the record for the humans to come visit and find it and say look these were wonderful people and um it's really sad that they're gone huh yeah that notice that i I was thinking that sort of about halfway through the novel nobody's doing that nobody's not trying to leave uh a seed bank on the moon. They're not trying to uh, get, you know, upload all the mm-hmm. ebooks um and put them in, uh, in s- satellites and, you know, get them off the earth because we're going to get a, well,
1: of course we like, don't know that you know, this guy just doesn't well, no, care but, about yeah, that.
0: That's right. But I mean, not well, in the end, I think that's what they're doing, aren't they? They're loading up a satellite. That's, that's right. Oh, that's your um, point. Got it. <laughs> yeah I, and that's it sort of turned out to be like that although their their version of that is i mean rather small the the character the aliens in the um in the the star you know it was a civilization sized effort to get get that structure built on a and it wasn't you know as an arc to save themselves right it was just to mm-hmm. tell their story after they're dead mm-hmm. which i think is uh it's sort of key to understanding uh my philosophy of existentialism is that, you know, you have to think of your life as a story.
2: And, right.
0: Oh, it's a tragedy if if, you know, your life was cut short and you didn't get a lot of great story in there. Right.
1: Yeah, that's um, yeah, and that's um I think you hit on the key truth with a capital T that's why story is so key to us as people our lives are stories that we're telling right. in conjunction with everyone else and that's why it's the most important thing ever uh,
0: and i mean not to get gruesome or anything but the the stories can be perverted too because oh yeah the people who who do those shootings like mm. there was one in, yeah. in in Canada not too long ago yeah. a couple days um, they're trying to tell stories too but their stories are, you know, very sad, frustrated, poorly written ones, um, and that's facilitated by the by the media, you know, right. making a free publication for that crappy shit story.
1: I know it drives me and crazy.
0: The question that is always asked is why, why, why? It's right there. It's so that the question will be asked, so that that unimportant person who. Uh, couldn't get their shit together to tell a nice story uh, because it's hard mm-hmm. you know, telling, telling a story, your life story, getting your life into a place where you want to uh see it as a good, positive thing, is is difficult. Um, they they go the other way and they tell a noir story that's horrible and pathetic, but at least got told.
1: Yeah, and they're often crazy because they're and they're not because they're not understanding things through I don't know the proper in the proper way that most of us are in, in order to try and tell our stories I mean you know if your brain chemistry goes wonky I uh, see
0: it changes yeah, the filter the thing is is like in the, in the latest one in the Canadian case they're looking at it and they're not finding any evidence that he was crazy they finding uh, there, there's a similar one in, of a guy in Norway, I think it was. Oh, he, um, oh my gosh! Well, he, what, he's not technically crazy. He's not psychotic. No, he was
1: evil. I'm sorry. It's completely I, so, to do what he did. He was evil and psychotic, and that's all I can say.
0: No, no, no. He wasn't psychotic, but I, I, evil. I agree with you. But the thing is, is his actions are motivated by his trying to get his his ideas out there and have his ending be um you know advertised by that it's
1: i get what you're saying i'm just saying definitions and doctors aside any normal person looks at what that guy in norway did and says that's a psycho i don't care anybody who would deliberately do that is insane he can seem as sane as anybody else when you're just talking to him but nobody does that who's normal yeah, a true definition of a psychopath is
3: someone who has rationalized something insane to themselves. You know, yeah, where it's it makes sense to them, but it's not. <laughs> it's not okay. Well,
0: yeah, you guys are wrong about the technical technicalities, but I will agree with you that they are definitely evil people. Or yeah. you could be
3: wrong. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you, you could be wrong. I
0: think I'm, i think I, think I, you I could you could be wrong, Jesse. Jesse. No.
4: No, are you,
0: no, a, if you, are you saying psych- Jesse's psychotic.
1: psychotic? No, <laughs> <laughs> he rationalized his definition <laughs> told, of psychotic so that he thinks I he's right.
2: <laughs> Tam,
1: I love it. <laughs> he was I mean, the worst psychotic. of all,
0: Jesse. As far as I can tell, <laughs> and I'm 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 trying to tell a happy story too.
1: Well, that's okay because because <laughs> you we all agree that they're evil and. Crazy on some level, How, Whatever word you use for it.
0: Yeah, no, uh, they're not I operating mean, by normal standards. That's right. They're 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 disregarding the other characters in this story. Um, um, one yeah. of one of the things I used to say to my friend when when he was ha- like something bad would happen to him, I would tell this same joke over and over every time this happened, and it, it was a mutually funny joke because he he would laugh as well. Um, I, if something bad would happen to him. Some person would, you know, cut him off in traffic or something. And say, see, you you keep going around the world thinking that you're the main character. <laughs>
3: right. You're not. Right.
0: You're the secondary character. What? Oh no! Right. This is the the great revelation that people. Right. I mean, if you act as if you must be the main character all the time, you are one of those assholes who cut cuts people in line and you know thinks that the rules don't apply to them.
1: Right.
2: In
0: and that's um that's that's a bad thing.
1: Right. But that's why we're continually we all trying to tell a- our stories a good way, but that means we also have to sacrifice and a lot of times we're not the main person, we have to be able to recognize it. And then you mm-hmm. live a much happier life. You just have to keep reminding yourself of it because you keep putting yourself in the middle because you are living in the middle. Mhm. Maybe that's what makes this character in this book seem so noble. I mean, he, to me, is what I think most people would like to think they're like. Maybe not, you know, single-minded or whatever, but, you know, he's sticking with it. He's trying to take care of the people he loves. He's being he's being a good guy through Mm -hmm. all this. Yeah, he's slightly obsessed with this suicide that, that no one else thinks is a murder, but he's trying to do the right thing. And uh, we'd all like our stories to be like that. And he's able to look at what other people's motivations are, whether he did the right thing at that time or not. He was trying. And, um, you know, he's saying, oh, Naomi, if only you had told me this, I would have said it didn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, why didn't I give off the right signal so you understood that?
0: Mm-hmm. And the villain, right, the villain of the piece, he doesn't want his story to become known to his wife. right. Because he he's ultimately subverting his own story in the hopes of ha- having his kid have have one, mm-hmm. which I think is interestingly uh, it's well conceived in that it's a motivation that isn't uh, love or money. I guess it is love then. <laughs> um, it's not money or jealousy. Right. It's, it's um it's self-sacrificial, which is not what we're expecting.
1: Right, which would be noble. I'd also
0: going like to sacrifice other people too. <laughs> That's
1: the thing. It would be noble except that he sacrificed other people. He didn't recognize that they had the equal right to him, his child, to have life, you know, mm. and try to live the, the end of it as best they could too, which is the putting himself in the middle again. You know, what I want matters more than what they want.
0: Jenny, do you think the reason you like these sort of end of the world books uh, is because they are like just an intensification of regular life.
3: Um, Well, actually I think most of the ones I like are the books that talk about what comes after. Yeah. You know, the rebuilding and what happens if you mix everything up in a blender and start from scratch. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I think when things are leading up to destruction, it's interesting to see how that brings out you know, the quote unquote true character of someone or how it changes a society. I think I'm, I'm really mostly just interested in the societal
1: change aspect, which this mm. has in leaps and bounds. I like the afterwards more also because this is full of tension and anxiety. Although I think that's what made me drawn to it also is that. To me, it was a novel idea. uh, I wish I could say that was an intended pun, but it was a novel idea to be looking at it before it happens with everybody knowing it's coming. Usually when you pick it up like World War Z, you're right in the middle of it when you figure it out. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then you see afterwards what's happened or how everybody's adapting to try to get through it or... um, Like in the Reapers of the Angels, she's going around, and or any book like that, you're seeing, as Jenny says, the societal change, which is what I find also really interesting.
0: The the after is not existential, though is the is the interesting thing, right? Is that this uh, that is about beginnings, not about endings. Mm -hmm. It's about um, seeing how things could be rather than how things are, Mm -hmm. which is which is why this has to sort of be even though it's got a lot of science fictiony elements in in it it's won the edgar award not the uh the hugo no, and the right. it's uh it it's it's it, science is not is the facilitator of the situation not the uh not the thing itself
4: you know yeah, there's really nothing destructive um happening so it's kind of unusual in that way It's just mm-hmm. the 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 threat of it
0: there's snow that's It starts with snow, and the weather continues to be nice later on, and and everything. It's all in the minds of the people. So the animals, right? The dog and Mm -hmm. they're all fine with it. Right? It's just regular life to them.
4: And it's possible this could all be a mistake, right? Wasn't there one cop that uh, read some Mm -hmm. blog that said, "Hey, maybe the science is off."
0: Yeah, well, but but I think we're supposed to not think that because just think of how many times, you know, people have been denying reality. (laughs) We get that no matter what. Right, and Um, for a while I thought that's why the guy
3: in the bathroom was dead. mm -hmm. Because, you know, you you see all the information he has, maybe he found something he wasn't supposed to find. Mm -hmm.
0: That he had a motivation because um, he, he thought that it was fake and then he found out it was real. I thought that was one. Oh yeah, that's another one. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's I'm interesting. I'm,
4: Go ahead. Say, I'm, I'm surprised that uh, so many people actually believe the scientists. Like, I think half the people don't even believe in evolution. So why would they believe? No.
0: The, uh, uh, well, the you can see it. you can you could see it with a telescope. Uh, I know a lot of people don't believe things they see through telescopes, but um, I even if it's not realistic in that sense, um, the thing is, is death is real, right? And even if you don't look at it as sort of a society real thing, it's more like just coming to grips with the fact that you, the universe is out to kill you and you will be gone at a certain point is really tough. And so by making a society like that, you're going to see all the different kinds of ways of dealing with that.
1: hmm Yeah. And you don't. I mean,
0: oh, go ahead. I was just saying some of it's going to be denial that it's happening. Right. Right. The, the person who's in the like, um, I think when I was uh, my father was dying of cancer when I was a kid, there was a point at which he knew theoretically that he wouldn't survive. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Cause you get a certain amount of cancer and you basically you cannot recover. Right. Yeah. Um, but he was still in denial. And that denial didn't help him.
3: So this Flat this relates hand. to a story I just read, not science fiction or fantasy, mm-hmm. um, the jilting of Granny Weatherall by Katherine Ann Porter from the 1930s.
0: <laughs> it's oh. all about
3: this woman who's dying, but she can't come to terms with it in her head. And it's all of her internal dialogue. She's thinking about the love letters she left in the attic and she doesn't want her kids to see them. And... The man who jolted her 60 years ago and the man she ended up with and, you know, all these like her daughter is so annoying. The priest doesn't need to be there, you know, all these little things because Mm -hmm. she really can't come to terms with it. And the author describes her body as it's fading. And she's she's still trying so hard to stay there because she's not done
1: anyway. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you get to be. I hate to say it like this, but you get to be my age and you start talking to other people my age, which is late 50s, early 60s. And they all suddenly start telling each other, kind of admitting it. And then the other person's like, no, me too. You start going, I've suddenly had to start coming to grips with mortality. You suddenly start going, it's not that I'll do this someday. It's like, oh, I may have 20, 25, 30 more years, but that's a limit. It's a limit. And you can see it there. And um also the fact that I have this uh, movie group I do with this assisted living place. Mm-hmm. And um I remember when I started it, I was talking to someone, a priest friend of mine who said, um, just keep in mind, you're going to learn to love some of these people. And there's only one thing that's going to happen to them. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. You know, I, I get it. And I do get it. But, of course, you get attached to some people more than others, and there was one lady where I showed up, and we're all having lunch, and I'm like, oh, where's June? Maybe she had a doctor's appointment, this or that, and they're like, oh, by the way, we forgot to tell you, June died in her sleep last week. And I was like, what? Totally surprised myself, burst out crying, bothered me for a week because it's that reminder, you can't yeah. get away from it. And when you have a whole society that's surrounded by this, I think the reason these people all believe this is experts on the TV told them, well, it's like my father or yours, Jesse, um, you know, the doctor tells you something and you could kind of go, well, probably not as much as you think. I'm not going to deal with that yet. And eventually maybe this is why they're all just now starting to really show the stress is it's been you five months.
0: And not believe it at the same time, because uh, I, I, part of that story i was i was saying is is he believed it he believed it in one sense because he was doing the things that you do before you you're going to die yeah. so he went to hawaii right yeah he he took me and my sister on a on a boat trip right mm-hmm. do all the things that you you got to do you got to do that bonding with the kids you got to go visit some places you've never been to before it mm-hmm. right? must have been hard <laughs> it was very hard very hard yeah. and and yet um you know Maybe this alternative medicine will work, yeah, uh, right false hope uh, that false hope is is is, is necessary that's why you know the people do so well selling that crap is because the patient wants to have it. Right. They want it, that possibility to be there.
3: Well, and there's nothing like a little mortality to emphasize to you the things you should have done but haven't. Yeah. And so then people, like I've seen this with my parents, with my mother having cancer right now, and it's not terminal, you know, as far as I know. But, you know, I've seen that reaction, not from her, but from my dad. Right. <laughs> like, oh, got to make up for all these things. And, you know, no one has enough energy to do that right now. But it's, I think, a natural reaction. So I think the people that surprise me the least in this novel are the people that quit their jobs and go crazy crazy and do Mm -hmm. all these things they always meant to do. That makes the most sense to me.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So
0: getting back to Tam's question, uh, would you still do the podcast? Absolutely. But would I do this book? Only if I knew it was going to be like this before I read it.
1: You'd have to read it (laughs) first and then agree to it, which I always understand, you know? And of course, I would expect you to say yes because I would also do it with you because I'd go, what better thing to do right now than spend time with your friends?
2: That's
3: right. Yeah, That's I what really that matters. But don't you think we could all get into a room and
1: talk about it? Who
3: cares about podcasting it? Ah. <laughs> right, Jenny? That would be the uh, difference to me.
0: Like, Still my goal to for now, by the way. The secret to podcasting, Jenny, is that it's an excuse <laughs> to get together and talk with your friends. It's it's If you said let's have a podcast, and what you meant by that is a party. Would the people show up? Would the, could they tell their their other friends, sorry, I have to make time to go spend time talking with my friends? It's like you have to have a book club or something like that, right? You have to have an excuse. We have to make excuses in our lives to make appointments to have fun with other people. I have Otherwise, many
3: book clubs.
0: <laughs> Otherwise, other commitments get in the way. It's
2: right?
0: true. So, By giving it the name podcast, by recording it and putting it out on a regular basis, you get a uh, an effect. Uh, Julie wants to spend more time with Scott. Guess what? She found a way. Oh, that was
1: just to get Scott. Scott had been talking about doing that podcast for a year by himself.
0: Scott. Yeah, Scott. Scott found a way to get uh, what he wanted done. You know, it's it's a great medium because it. It allows you to share with your friends and then other people get a benefit too if they want it. Right. That's unlike, you know, uh Geeks Guide to the Galaxy where at the end of every episode where they say, if you liked our show, rate it on iTunes or what and if you didn't like it, don't. There's I no, I don't <laughs> care. I don't care if anybody rates it on iTunes because that's not who it's for. It's not for other people. If they want to find it, that's good for them.
1: Well, and that's I mean, true. It's what do you it's love? Not the public
0: piece of it, but that's the truth. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's what do you love because that's we were um we did a book and the publisher loved it. Uh Scott and I did and went, "Oh, we have all these other books." You know, we did one of our rare religious books that we covered and oh, we have these other ones you'd love to talk about." And Scott and I mm-hmm. are like, "That's really great. And these are nice popular new books, but that's not what the podcast is." That's right.
0: You know, it's right? not it's not like your you're soliciting books.
1: Yeah, we're not here. Well, and we're not here to do religious books. That's we just do that every so often. Again, because Scott was like, "I never read anything like this." So I'm like, "Okay, once a quarter, let's put something like that on there." That makes And for those
3: good. of you who don't know, they're talking about another oh. podcast called "The Good Story is Hard to Find." Sorry, thank <laughs> you, Anyone
1: Jenny. You? <laughs> You're a good hostess.
0: <laughs> Jenny, what ha- oh, is is that? What happened with Reading Envy as well? Is yeah, is it, I need Scott. Time um,
1: have that. I don't know. I how that come I up? think
3: it came more from that idea of I can't remember what it was called, the Tolkien group.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, the oh, four
3: the- guys that would get together and drink and, and talk about Inklings. books.
2: The Inklings. Inklings.
3: Yeah. yeah, so we kind of thought it would be fun to have a um podcast version of that. Mm -hmm. Um, but then figured out that trying to get four people to commit to something every month was really hard. So we started with two and bringing friends in. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm still not sure where it'll end up. You know, I think it's kind of still morphing its way into what it's Mm going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But it sure feels good to bring people in and just like let people talk about what they've been reading and then just talk a little bit about it in between. I've liked it Mm -hmm. a lot.
0: Yeah. I think all the for, see all the formatting you do in there is facilitating
2: the mm-hmm. fun stuff,
0: Right? Yeah. And and that's why I object to you objecting to my facilitating that at the beginning before the podcast starts too, is because because all that background work that you do, just the little touches, it really helps with the with making it flow properly. Right? The way you've structured that show is very um Super consumable.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we recently changed from three books each to two. And We haven't mm-hmm. posted the one that was only two books okay. each, but we, felt we were getting feedback from people that it felt like we were rushing through and they really liked it when we read some things from the book and really talked about it. So since we were trying to keep it to not much more than an hour, we're like, well, what if we just try doing two? And then we don't have to feel like we have to hurry.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So even just little like- things like that.
0: I like how little we're talking about the novel that we set up because it, 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 this kind of book makes you think about all those sort of things, which is kind of cool. You know, it's not about, yeah. uh, so, let's solve the murder. Murder is not really important.
1: And it's, it did things. haunt me for a while, and I think that's why I was pushing it for us to talk about it because also I, reading it the second time, I found just as enjoyable, if not more so,
0: for anybody mm-hmm. who's
1: a rereader, which I am, because yeah. I read so fast the first time, I have to get the details the second time. But um I could remember who did it, but I couldn't remember exactly why until we got down to the end. And it didn't really matter because it's what you're saying, Jesse, is this makes you think about what's important in your life. What would you do? Who are your friends? What motivates people to do the things they do? And it's just a really thought-provoking book. I I really enjoyed that aspect of it, and I thought about it for a long time after I read it. And I don't usually do that with mysteries, so...
4: Yeah, you and should do it on the Good
1: could... Story podcast. Uh, I thought about that. If you guys hadn't taken it, like uh. other books, <laughs> uh-huh. we did. I would have done it. I almost did it with Scott instead, but I have so many books I want to talk about there. I was like, oh, these guys would be great for this book.
0: And you only have uh, once every two weeks, right?
1: Mm-hmm. We do one book a month and one movie a month. right? Except so. now we're doing The Source, which might kill us both. And you know I, think, I don't
3: think it matters that we're not talking about the mystery because honestly, I think even Hank he just focused on it because he needed to focus on something yep he mm-hmm. needed his own little purpose yep. in life, and he's like, well, no one else cares about this, so I'm gonna care about
0: it <laughs> and in understanding a dead you know a dead man and his his journey, he understands his own right that's right that's the uh i mean the the thing about mysteries of the, this sort of Agatha Christie locked room or not locked room, but, you know, sort of, you know, locked town sort of mystery mm-hmm. that you get, um, the process of, right. of going through the, the, the mystery makes, has you thinking about motivation and about other people. And it's so much about empathy in this guy's case, right? He's mm-hmm. trying to get inside the mind of the other guy. And he says, I like this guy, right? Um, how he relates to his the other people at his work. And it's very much a parallel, that doubling that um, makes books good, you know, having the structure of one character reflect another character works really well. And the, the actual, what is, I was thinking like pathetic sort of murder that, you know, in, in the face of the world, world's destruction, this grubby little murder doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, But in the process of uncovering and making sense of that guy's death, um, we get access to our own insights about it.
1: Well, yeah, and he cares about everyone. I mean, he cares about J.T. Toussaint. Mm -hmm. At one point, he's finally going to get through to him and nobody thinks. He cares about Naomi Edis. He even cares about the um, one of my favorite characters because, as you say, Jesse, he's so... Good at showing backstory characters fully or um, side characters fully is the guy who runs the insurance office where Peter Zell worked, who starts his morning with a tumbler of gin. And -hmm. by the time he's asked to find the files that should have been there, he's suddenly bursting out with what this job means to him.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Don't make me do this. Mm hmm. And so everybody's so rich and realized, and what it kind of makes you realize, I guess, thinking about it in the context of the end of the world is, it's what you're saying. All these people's stories matter, and Hank Pallas, because of his upbringing and his family who abandoned him and his grandfather was awful, and his sister, who's the only one who was with him all through all that, he cares about all these stories. hmm even when they're kind of awful people, he's kind of like, I can latch onto something and it's not, this makes him sound so touchy-feely and it isn't. He just wants to know why they're like that. And he mm. has to know them for that. And that's what this podcast is about too, right? Mm. We know more about each other's stories as we even discuss these stories.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, the, I have a Star Trek reference. Okay. <laughs> Anybody ever see that episode of Next Generation, where uh, Picard gets hit with this light, and he ends up living somebody else's mm. life from beginning to end. Sure. The, That's
0: an excellent episode, actually. Yeah, The Inner Light, it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he lives an entire lifetime in, uh, I don't know, a second or something. Right. And yeah, he learns to play the flute. Yeah. That's Oh,
1: right. I do remember that. Wow, that was a poignant one.
0: Very, yeah existential because all his he goes he, he he finds himself there he's he's a captain and then he uh, okay they're not going to come rescue me right <laughs> and then he blends into the society and he has a family and mm-hmm. um and of course that that episode tam if you if you are recalling this uh do you remember why that happened to him
4: i guess the uh, race was dead and they're they're like right. some satellite that preserve their race, and they kind of be in the memories to whatever alien crosses its path.
0: That's right. It's it's exactly the same plot as the star, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least the ending of the star, if not the point of the star, is that we find out um, that in, uh, in understanding their literature and understanding them, getting deep empathy for them, we that they live on in a certain sense. I think that's a very nice catch actually Mm
1: -hmm. yeah good one
0: this has been the sff audio podcast please join us at www.sffaudio.com